those of you who are watching online by television at our Mill Creek campus, those who are here at our Sugarloaf campus, let me tell you why you ought to be excited about this message. This is so rare for me. My message is so good that there's a guy sitting on this front row that said, I got to hear it twice. He was here at 9.15, came back to hear it again. So it must be a pretty good message, Harvey, so thank you. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you don't mind, everybody stand up. And I want you to say something, and before I ask you to repeat it with me, some of you don't believe it. Some of you <clears throat> do believe it, but you don't live like you believe it. But there are some of you that believe it and you live like it. My prayer is that the first two groups will be in the third group by the end of the day. It's something that I say every time I go to preach anywhere on the planet. You don't know it, but I say it under my breath. I say it every time I walk up to this platform. I say it when I get up every morning. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to say that out loud with me. Ready? I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's say it one more time. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, take a seat. I have several of these in my home, and I always have one next to a computer. It's called a surge protector. And if you don't know what one is, you better find out in a hurry. Because I found out the hard way, and I had some things fried in my home, and uh, I'll tell you, I learned my lesson. And they're called surge protectors, but their job is to protect your appliances from damage, and that can, I've even found out that without these, your home could burn down. They're, they're, they're so valuable. Now, a power surge, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's a brief burst, burst of excess electrical power. It lasts less than one one-thousand of a second, and yet it is so powerful, it can fry your refrigerator, air conditioner, computer, and yes, it literally can start a fire that can burn your house down. So you get one of these, and what it does, it absorbs this excess energy, and it sends it to a grounding wire where the power dissipates. Now, physically and financially, I'm grateful for these. Couldn't do without them because they do protect you from what's dangerous and what's destructive. But I believe, on the other hand, spiritually, what we desperately need in our church what we desperately need in the church, what we desperately need in individual lives of individual believers is a power surge. The problem is too many believers, in my opinion, without maybe even knowing it, you have a surge protector in your life. You want a little power, but not too much. You want a little bit of God, but not too much. Because you know that if you really had the power of God in your life like you ought to have, your life would be different. Your priorities would be different. The way you manage your money would be different. The way you manage your time would be different. The way you speak would be different. You know there would be some changes coming, and I believe that a lot of us have surge protectors. So when that power surge even begins to cumber, we think it's about to come, we somehow, instead of, instead of absorbing it, we kind of let it dissipate. And I'll tell you why I know that. 
There was a survey that was taken recently by the Reville Research Project. They were looking for modern day Joshua's. And if you remember the story of Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, two great men of God, they were sent out to spy the promised land. They come back to the nation of Israel. They say, we can take this. This is what God's promised. Let's go. But everybody else said, oh no, there are giants on the land. There are too many obstacles, too many problems. We can't do it. And they rebelled against God. Joshua was filled with the Holy Spirit. Caleb was filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a passion for God and a fire for God and a trust for God, but nobody else did. So you remember the story. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. They wouldn't obey God. And yes, Joshua and Caleb got punished for something they didn't do. They had to suffer the consequences for all these believers who rejected the leadership of the Spirit of God. So this, this, this company surveyed a 1,000 church members looking for modern-day Joshua's. They were looking for people who were so propelled by their faith that they loved God passionately, they obeyed God completely, that God dominated every part of their life. So they asked them this one question. How many believe you're living your Christian life to the fullest? Now, I do not want you to raise your hand, but I'd like to ask you that question right now. You claim to be a Christian. You claim to be a follower of Jesus. You claim to know Christ. Honest. So how many of you would say, you're living your Christian life to the fullest? They interviewed a 1,000 Christians. Guess what percent said they were? You ready for this? 11%. 11% said, oh yeah, I'm living my Christian life to the fullest. Now you think about that. Nine out of 10 believers basically said, we're living below our means. We're wandering in the wilderness. We're, we're not taking advantage of all the power that God has for us. Well, we have a relationship with God. We know God. God is in all of us, but we're not all in for him. Now put that in perspective. There are 2.2 billion Christians in the world or people who claim they are Christians. If this is accurate, that means nine out of 10 Christians in the world are walking in the wilderness. They're not living the spirit-filled life. That means two billion Christians are not with God, not for God, not of God like they ought to be. They're not exercising anywhere near the spiritual horsepower that's available to them. So my question is, what would happen in our church if every one of us who claim to be followers of Jesus every day had a power surge? What would happen inside the church and outside the church if all of a sudden two billion believers around the world had a power surge? Well, the good news is it can happen. And I know that because of a passage we're going to study today in a book called Ephesians. If you have your discipleship booklet with you, it's on page 34. You can look at the passage there. And we've been in a series in Ephesians. If you're a guest of ours today, we've been calling Unbelievable because the book of Ephesians is all about an unbelievable God who has done unbelievable things for us and wants to do unbelievable things in us. And so we're here in this book of Ephesians and what we're about to read today is this. We need a power surge of the Holy Spirit. We need a power surge in the church. We need a power surge in the home. We need a power surge in our families. We need a power surge in our marriages. We need a power surge. And here's why I think this is so important. 
After serving as a pastor for four decades, I am convinced, and I've met a lot of them, the average Christian is so subnormal that if they ever got normal, people would think they're abnormal. I believe that. The average Christian is so subnormal that if they ever got normal, people would think they are abnormal. So I want you to get a thought in your heart right now. The spirit-filled life is normal Christianity. It, it, that, that's exactly what it is. It is the will of God for every believer every day to be consciously, continuously, conspicuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the good news. The Spirit-filled life is not for just superstar Christians. It's not just for professional pastors. It's not just for seminary graduates. It's not just for TV evangelists. It is for everyone who knows Jesus. And in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us three things that ought to be true about us and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if they are true, we can all live every day a supercharged, spirit-filled life. And let me just stop right here. If I've not already lit a fire in your heart, if I've not already given you this hunger that I don't know what you're about to say, but whatever you're about to say, I'm all in. Whatever you're about to say, I want to hear it because I want to tell you, I'm tired of living below my means. There's got to be more to the Christian life than what I'm experiencing. Then you ought to be pumped and ready to go as we begin this message. Three quick things. Number one, I should expect the filling of the Holy Spirit. I should expect the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul begins with these words. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Great advice. All right, I think that's good. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Five short words. Be filled with the Spirit. Five words. Teeming with power. Exploding with power. First of all, that verb, be filled, is an imperative. In other words, this is not a suggestion. It's not a request. It's not a good idea. This is a command. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that means if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not just missing out, you're messing up. It's not a mistake, it's a sin. As a matter of fact, it means you're outside the will of God. You say, how do you know that? Because in the verse right before this verse, we talked about last week, Paul said this, we are to know, understand, and do the will of God. Then right after that, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Put those two things together. Here's what I know about you and me. It is the will of God every day that you and I be filled with the Spirit. Now, to understand so you don't get confused, the Holy Spirit lives within every Christian. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. That's not what's at stake here. Here's the problem. The Holy Spirit is resident in every believer. But he's not president over every believer. In other words, he may be in your house, but it doesn't mean he runs your house. He may have a room in your house. It doesn't mean he reigns over your house. And if you're not, if he's not, you're living a disobedient life. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Then the verb is plural. 
It's plural. He says, all of you be filled. In other words, he says, look, if you're a believer, it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer five seconds, five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five weeks, five years, five decades. It doesn't matter. If you are a believer, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it's in the present tense. Now, why is that important? In the Greek language, when you, something that's in the present tense means you do it on a continuous basis. So he doesn't say get filled. He says be filled. In other words, this is not a one-time event. It is a continuous process. So let me just stop right here in this message. And to those of you who claim to be a believer in Christ, you claim to be a follower of Christ, let me just ask this question. Right now, at this moment, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Right now. Now, you might say, well, I was filled yesterday. Well, yesterday's filling won't cut it today. And today's filling won't carry over until tomorrow. You know, um, one of the things I get to do, I'm, I'm, I'm not much around the house. Teresa will tell you that. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm allergic to housework. <laughs> I'm allergic to yard work. I'm allergic to a lot of work, okay? But, 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 but I'm just not much around the house. But there's one thing I get to do every morning. I get to make her coffee every single morning. I get to make her coffee. It's one of the few things, you know, that I get to do. Now, let me tell you what I don't do. I don't make her coffee the night before, let it sit there overnight, take it to her cold. Right? I don't do that. I make it fresh. I want it hot. And that's exactly the way we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh fire every day because there's not an automatic reset button on your heart. Every day, you've got to seek the filling of the Spirit. Every day, you've got to surrender to the filling of the Holy Spirit. See, here's where we are. You don't choose for the Holy Spirit to live in you. Once you get saved, He comes to live in you. You don't choose to Him to live in you, but you do choose whether to be led by the Holy Spirit. And here's what you need to understand. The Holy Spirit doesn't share a seat. The, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't room with anybody. Now, you can fill your heart up with anything you want to, but you cannot fill it with the Holy Spirit and something else. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you this right now. If your heart is not filled complete with the Holy Spirit, whatever else is filling your heart will be unfulfilling. So I put it this way. The only way to be fulfilled as a Christian is to be filled full of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? I mean, I worked on that five weeks. Show me some love here, okay? The only way to be fulfilled as a Christian is to be filled full of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you what that means. That means whether you're a pastor or a truck driver, whether you're a missionary or a mechanic, doesn't matter. Every single day as a believer, you should expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says something else. If that is true, if I should expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then I can experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. If I should expect it, then I can experience it. Now, again, I want to make sure every believer understands something. Whether or not you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure you hear that. He never leaves you empty. As a matter of fact, he never leaves you at all. The problem is this. 
When you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't lose his presence, but you do lose his power. You don't lose his presence. He's with you. But you do lose his power. You don't ever have to say, Holy Spirit, would you be in my life today? He's in your life today. Holy Spirit, would you be with me? He is with you. He's always in you. He's always with you. He's always for you. However, what we have to do is consciously and continuously submit to his power. Now, Paul does something that I think I still think today is kind of strange. I understand it. But it makes it's, it's really kind of strange. You know, if I'd gone to Paul 2,000 years ago and I said, Paul, you talk about the Spirit-filled life. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can, can you kind of give me a, 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 a simile? Can you give me an analogy? What is the Holy Spirit? What is, that, what is the Spirit-filled life like? I would have never dreamed he had gone to liquor and alcohol. I just would have never thought that. I mean, it's kind of shocking. But here's what Paul says. He says, do not get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul is making a comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. But when you think about it, it's a great analogy. Now, I've got a lot of vices. One of them is I've never been drunk because I've never had a drink. One of the things I've learned, you have to drink to get drunk. I've never had a drink, so I've never been drunk. But I'm sure there are some of you today that have had that blessed experience of being drunk. <laughs> or, or you have seen someone or know someone has been drunk. We've all seen somebody that's drunk. Now, you know what's, what's true. When you're under the influence of alcohol, you are literally under the control of alcohol. So when you get drunk, Whatever the alcohol tells you to do, that's what you do. And you do things when you're drunk, you never do when you're sober. And whatever the alcohol tells you to say, you say what the alcohol tells you to say. And you say things when you're drunk, you would never say when you're sober. And, 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 and the way you behave, you behave the way the alcohol tells you to behave. Whatever the alcohol tells you to behave, that's the way you behave. And you behave in a way drunk, you would never behave sober. Why? because you're under the control of alcohol. And so here's the problem. When you start consuming alcohol, if you consume too much, it starts consuming you. So think about this. Now, this is an easy question, all right? How does a person get drunk? Somebody tell me. Yeah, you drink. That's not hard. Stay with me. (laughs) Work with me here, all right? You drink. Okay, That's that's how you get drunk. Well, how do you stay drunk? You keep drinking, right? You just, you keep drinking. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying, look, you've got to continuously submit to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And to do that, you've got to have as much thirst for the Spirit of God as a drunk has for alcohol. Do you have that kind of thirst? I mean, being honest. By the way, that term to be filled is a nautical term. If you like to sail, you'll love this. It's a nautical term. It referred to the filling of a ship sails by the wind, so the ship would go wherever the wind blows it. Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus one time. He said, you know what the Holy Spirit's like? He's like a wind that blows wherever he wishes. Here's what Paul was saying. Every day when you get out of bed, you ought to, look, you ought to think about your life like it's a sailboat. And you hoist those sails up. And then you turn those sails to the wind of the Holy Spirit. So you allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow you wherever he wants you to go. So here's the way it works. When you submit to the Holy Spirit, 
When you say, Holy Spirit, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I want you to fill me with yourself. Here's what you'll find yourself saying. Holy Spirit, I want you to take me today wherever you want me to go. And wherever you want me to go, that's where I'll go. Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me to do whatever you want me to do today. And whatever you lead me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Holy Spirit, I want you to make me to be today whatever you want me to be. And whatever you want me to be, that's what I'm going to be. So let me just get real practical. About three or four weeks ago, I shared with you that the next year, or first part of next year, I'm going to Panama, to the country of Panama. They have given us an unbelievable opportunity. We took a group there last year. We had such a great time. All, this has never happened in their history. All of the Baptist churches in Panama, all of them, from one end of the country to the other, they've asked me and our church, they've asked us to come back to Panama. They want to do a nationwide evangelistic emphasis. They want to get just not Baptist churches, but every evangelical church they can. They want to get every church together. They want to do a solid week of evangelism. And then on Sunday night, they want me to preach in a big stadium in Panama City. And they want to see God do something that's never been done in that country ever before. It's an unbelievable opportunity. We've got 30 openings. We've got, we've, right now, we've got 15 people signed up. There's still 15 people that we need to go on this trip. We need you to go. There's some of you out there right now, you've never gone on a mission trip. You've never thought about going on a mission trip. Let me just say this to you. I'm gonna pray right now. You don't have to close your eyes, but I'm gonna pray right now. Holy Spirit of God, I want you in this building right here at our Mill Creek campus to call out 15 people. I want you to put a fire in the hearts of 15 people. I want right now, Holy Spirit of God, for you to say, I want you to go to Panama. Now, let me just share this with you very quickly. If you've never been on a mission trip, just pretend you're going to Hawaii, but it's a mission trip. That'll help you, okay? Panama's a healthy country. You can drink the water. It's not bad. They're, 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 nobody's gonna kill you. Nobody's gonna shoot you. I promise, if they do, I'll do the funeral for free. Not a problem, but listen. <laughs> There is no place in the world, you've been, some of you have been, we know this, there's no place in the world where you can experience the Holy Spirit like you can on a mission trip. They're wide open to the gospel. We were in a university. They asked us to go into a secular university, walk into classrooms, and share the gospel. So I'm gonna ask at least 15 more of you to say, you know what, Pastor? I'll go with you. It's gonna be a fan fantastic week. Why? Because I don't want you to not only to experience the feeling of the Holy Spirit, I want you to see what it's like when you go to a country like that. And you can do it here, by the way. But I want you to see what it's like to go filled with the Holy Spirit and see how God can use you to transform lives. So Paul says, number one, I can expect to be filled with the Spirit. He says, number two, I should experience the Holy Spirit. Well, if those things, two things are true, then this will be true. He says, I will express the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that makes sense. If I can expect the filling, and if I can experience the filling, then I will express the filling. See, here, here, here's what I want you to understand. When the Holy Spirit is in complete control of all that is inside of you, you can't help but let it come out of you. You can't. I was thinking about this the other day. And I'm gonna talk about this in just a moment. I've I've met some people that I knew the moment I met them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I I have, and I hope you have too. But you know what hit me the other day? I've never met a Spirit-filled Christian 
that had to tell me he was spirit-filled. I've never met that person. You don't have to. When the Holy Spirit, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you have to let him out. So you may be asking the $20,000 question right now. Hey, pastor, okay, but how do I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a great question. What are the marks of a Spirit-filled life? I mean, look, you know this. If somebody's drunk, they don't have to tell you, right? You, you just kind of know it, right? You just know they're, they're drunk. Well, if someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't have to tell you either. And we've all met people, at least I, I hope you have, because I have. And the moment you're in the presence, you just know, man, this person is filled with the Holy Spirit. You meet some people, you just know, man, they've got a walk with God that's a cut above just the average believer. I, I think I've told you this story before. Probably the most Spirit-filled believer the most on-fire Christian I have ever met in my life was Pistol Pete Maravich. I've never, to this day, met anybody. When I met Pistol Pete, I was in Mississippi pastoring a church. We were doing a Starlight Crusade in a football stadium, and I was preaching. I was bringing all these celebrities in to draw the crowd, and so Pete was one of the guests that we brought in. Pete drove up from Louisiana, Called me when he got to the hotel. I went out to the hotel and I met him. I know we'll forget it. It was so funny. Because the moment, I mean, I, I, I mean, he was a hero. Some of you have heard of Pistol Pete Mary. He was a hero to me, right? And, and I couldn't believe, man, I'm meeting Pistol Pete Mary. Had all these questions I wanted to ask Pistol Pete. Hey, what was it like to play for the Boston Celtics? What was it like to play with Larry Bird? What was it like to score 44 points a game? What was it like to score 65 points in Athens against my Bulldogs? What, what was that like? And I get there, and you know what he want to talk about? Jesus. I'm the carnal guy in the group. I'm the pastor. All he wanted, I'd say, hey, what was it like to play with Larry Bird? He'd say, it wasn't a big deal, but let me tell you about Jesus. I've just never met anybody. I'm just so filled with the Spirit. He was so filled with the power of God and the love for God and the zeal for God. And you know what happened? It was contagious. Because you know what? After five minutes with him, I wanted to go preach. I was ready to go, man, let's go. Let's go charge hell with a water pistol. Even if the pistol's empty, let's do it anyway. I mean, man, you know, I could see he was filled. Now, so here's what Paul does. He says, you know what? Let me show you what a spirit-filled life looks like. Let me show you some ways you can know you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what he says may surprise you, but listen to what he says. He says, first of all, a spirit-filled life is worshipful. A spirit-filled life is worshipful. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Then he says this, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, our mission statement is to point people to Jesus and his Father and live cross-shaped life. And we have a strategy to do that. We want to, we want to grow people in four areas, worship, disciple, serve, and sin. It's not coincidental that the first one we put on that list is worship. Because one mark of a spirit-filled life is you've got a heart so full of God, you want to worship the Lord joyfully and enthusiastically. So since I'm in the neighborhood, let me just go ahead and say something right now. If you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, buckle up. You don't want to just wander in here in time for the sermon. You want to get here in time for the singing. 
I knew I would get an amen to that. That's okay. If you're truly filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't just get here in time for the message. You want to get here in time for the music. And let me tell you why. Somehow we've gotten this idea where the only part of the worship service that really matters is when this guy gets up and teaches the Word of God. And obviously that's a big part of the service. But let me just kind of correct one, of your, one thing about that. Do you know why it's so important that we get here early? Do you know why it's so important we get in here and we worship the Lord and we sing together? Because let me tell you what we're doing. Here's what he said. My part of worship is when I stand up here and I teach you the Word of God. Our part of worship is when we come and we sing together and we praise together and we worship together because we're actually doing it to each other. Okay, let me tell you how this works. I had a guy come out to me at 9.15. He said, you know, I'm, I've just never, you know, I've just, worship's just not, I've just never been into worship. And I said, well, number one, worship's not about you. It's about him. He said, well, number two, I can't sing. I, know, I said, I know I've heard you. And I said, but you, you, this is again where you misunderstand something. When, when, when everybody, when, when we sing, here's what we listen to. We listen to this. But when we worship God, he doesn't listen to this. He listens to this. And by the way, you may say, I'm just not into that worship. You better start getting into it because when you read the book of Revelation, that's about what we're going to be doing. <laughs> so you ought to do it right now. You ought to get early enough to kind of get, you know, this is a dress rehearsal, okay? So I, I'm just being honest. I'm just telling you, this is not what I said. This is what he said. He said, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to be here for the worship. See, before I speak to you out of the Bible, here's what you're doing. You don't even realize it. I, see, I listen to people sing behind me. I pick on Jack all the time. Jack's my gator buddy, okay? Jack's my gator. Jack, you can't sing. I'm just being honest. You're, you're a prisoner singer behind a few bars, can't find the right key. You just can't sing. But I love to hear Jack sing. I do. You know what, Jack, when you sing, it encourages me. It reminds me, I'm not in the battle by myself. We got an army out here. I'm not the only guy that's gonna walk out to my car today and love Jesus. I got an army of people in here that love Jesus. And when we sing and we worship the Lord and we raise our hands and we clap, it reminds me, man, we're in it together. God says, I've got many people in the city. Don't be discouraged. And let me tell you this, by the way. While I'm in the neighborhood, there's nothing that will reach people outside the church than when they walk inside a church and they see us in here worshiping like we believe what we're worshiping and excited about the God that we worship and passionate about the God that loved us so much. He sent his son to die for our sins. When they see a fire in our heart and they say, I don't know what you got, but whatever you got, that's what I want. Spirit-filled Christian is worshipful. Oh, it gets better. He says, if you're spirit-filled, you'll be grateful. Listen to this. He says, always giving thanks to God our Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit-filled believer is a thankful believer. Listen, let me just say a word to some of us in this room. I've learned, and I'm learning the hard way, you don't have a choice in getting older. You don't. You don't have a choice. Let me tell you the good news and the bad news about living a long time. The good news is if you live a long time, you experience a lot of things. The bad news is if you live a long time, you're going to be old. But let me tell you something I'm learning. And I say this a lot to the Lord. Lord, 
I can't keep from growing old, but God don't ever let me act old. There is nothing that gets on my nerves like a crabby old person. I, I'm just being honest. Be grateful. Be thankful. You may not even think you have a lot to be thankful for. I was read the other day, there's a 95-year-old woman in a prayer meeting. They're having testimonies. And the pastor said, anybody here got anything to be thankful for? She hit her feet, 95 years old. She said, preacher, I only have two teeth, but thank God they meet. I mean, they, they, you, you can always find something to be thankful for, right? Be grateful. Be thankful. You know, we're, we're about to come up here in about four weeks. We're coming up on Thanksgiving Day. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit, every day's Thanksgiving Day. Every day's Thanksgiving Day. I, I don't know of anybody that ought to be more grateful to be where they are right now than us. Don't you think about this. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. If, you woke, if you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pains of starvation, you're better off than 500 million people in the world right now. By the very fact that you're in church today without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're more blessed than three million people in the world. If you found food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of this world. If you've got money in the bank or in your wallet or spare change in a dish, you rank among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you can read one sentence in one book, you're more blessed than over 2 million people in the world who cannot read at all. A spirit-filled Christian doesn't waste his life griping about what he doesn't have. He spends his life grateful for what he does have. Your spirit-filled will be worshipful. Your spirit-filled, be thankful. And then he says, if you're spirit-filled, you'll be thoughtful. You'll be thoughtful. So what do you mean? Keep reading. He said, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's a good one. See if this wouldn't change the world. A spirit-filled believer is never interested in being in first place. A spirit-filled believer wants to be in second place. A spirit-filled believer doesn't say, let me tell you how you can serve me. A spirit believer says, tell me how I can serve you. They submit to one another. They're always willing to find someone or, fi or when they do find someone and they realize, you know what? You really should have authority in this area. I really do need to submit to you in this area. You know, I've been married for 43 years. I'm happier. I have a deliriously happy marriage. I I'm just being honest. We have, you know, we've got a typical marriage like everybody else. You know, I tell people all the time, we haven't had an argument in 43 years. Now, we've had discussions you could hear three miles away. We've never had an argument, Okay. <laughs> We've been married 43 years. I love her more today than I've ever loved her in my life. We just had a little bit of getaway last week. We're just, we're just best friends. I am just, I'm a happy husband. I leave a happy home. I come back to a happy home. But you know what? And, and we, I, have, I wish I could take credit and say I figured it out. We kind of fell into it. You know one of the reasons why we have such a great marriage? We've learned the art of mutual submission. And let me tell you what I mean. I, I, I figured out early on, that there's some areas where Teresa's just got more wisdom and more ability than I do. She's a lot better money manager than I am. She just is. So she managed, she's always managed the money uh, in, in our marriage. 
She's got a lot more common sense than I do. Now, she didn't have enough not to marry me, but she has a lot of common sense that, that, that I don't have. So she runs the household. She makes the major purchases for the home, and I'm glad to let her do it. I gladly submit to her wisdom and to her counsel and to her leadership. Now, on the other hand, there's, you know, I've got to step up and I've got to give leadership, right? So there are about maybe seven or eight Saturdays a year. I'm going to be gone all day because I'm going to see Georgia play football. And she submits to my leadership in that area of our marriage, okay? So we have a great marriage. It's kind of a, you know, a mutual submission thing. But, but the point I'm making is this. The point is, whenever and wherever you need to submit, you're willing to submit if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we kind of wrap all this up, here's the question of the day. It is the question of the moment. It is the question of every moment of every day for every believer. Here's the question. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit right now? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit right now? There are the only three possible answers. Yes, no, I don't know. Total three, yes I am, no I'm not, I don't know if I am or not. So I wanna help you answer the question. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not only not filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're out here on an island by yourself. You're getting it done on your own. And by the way, it's not gonna work out well for you. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But to do that, you've got to come to Jesus because they go together. You cannot have one without the other. You come to Jesus, you get the Spirit. You don't come to Jesus, never get it. Now, you say, okay, well, I'm a believer, all right? Let's stop right there. Is there sin in your life that's unconfessed, unrepentant of sin? Are there things in your life right now that you know you're doing you ought to stop? Are there things in your life you're not doing that you know you ought to start? then if that's true, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can be, and you should be, if you choose to be. And the reason why some of you don't want to be is because you know what that means. Yeah, I will have to change the way I handle my money. Yes, I will have to change the way I speak and talk. Yeah, I will have to change the level of my involvement in God's church. All kinds, I get it. But at least be honest enough to say, you know, I'm, I'm really not. So let me just close with this. And I wasn't going to tell this. I told it first service. I better tell it in the second one. It wouldn't be fair. I actually had a closing illustration, which is, a, I think, a great one, but I just, just didn't feel led to use it, so I'm going to kind of do this. I, I, and this is a transparent thing with me. I, I mentor eight guys a year. I've done it for about six years now. There's some in this room. So I found out the other day that uh, one of the guys that I mentor who is very opinionated, which is all right, and very outspoken, which is fine, but I found out that he doesn't give one dime to our church. And this is a guy I mentored for eight, for, for a year, poured my life into him. One of the areas that we talk about and that's in, the, in my mentoring is this whole area of stewardship and money because one of, the, one of the most important areas of your life that will reveal where you really are with God whether you like it or not is your checkbook so we deal with that when I found that out I'm a, I, I was crushed I was sitting on my back porch and I was thinking I poured a year of my life into this guy a year I, I get the average person okay 50% of the church doesn't give any money to the church that's okay and I'm not fussing anybody just true. But I mentored this guy a year. 
I'm sitting there, I'm just, I'm going, where did I go wrong? Where did I fail? Where did I miss it? And then the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said this. You're not the problem. He isn't filled with my spirit. You can talk to him till you're blue in the face. Yeah, you can go, you know, and I may still do it. Haven't yet, haven't decided what I'm going to do. But he said, what you probably ought to do is just pray that the Spirit of God would convict him and the Spirit of God would move him and trust me to work in him. Because anything you talk him into, somebody else will talk him out of. But anything the Spirit of God talks him into, nobody will talk him out of. So I just closed a practical illustration. And let, me, let me just tell you why. I've been a believer since I was nine years old. And I've lived my Christian life at times when I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. I did live in the flesh. I did play pick and choose. Yeah, God, I'll obey you here, but I'm not doing this. Yeah, I'll go here, but I'm not going there. Yeah, I'll give this, but I'm not giving that. I've been there. I've been right where you are. But for the most part of my life, I can say with a clear conscience before God not to brag. I've done all I know to do to live a spirit-filled life. Because I want to live my Christian life to the fullest. Life is too short to live it underneath where you could be. Life is too short to leave all this spiritual horsepower on the table. It's too short. And who doesn't want everything God has for us in this life? Everything. So, what's the conclusion of the message? Five words. Be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray together. With his bowed, with eyes closed, let me ask a quick question. Here's my question to you. You ready? Where are you in your spiritual life right now? Where are you? You are in one of three places. Some of you, listen, you don't, you're not filled with the Spirit. You don't even have the Holy Spirit because you don't have Jesus. So you're just kind of living life on your own, calling your own shots, doing your own thing, being your own God, being your own Lord, that's where you are. There's some of you, you would say, I know the Lord, Christ is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior, but no, I'm not living my life to the fullest and I know it. And then there may be a few of you, and some of you would say, yeah, Pastor, I am, as far as I know, as best as I can do it. I'm surrendered in every area of my life, and I am. Okay, wonderful. Here's my goal. I want to move the first two groups to the last group. So you're here today, and you'd say, nope, I don't have the Holy Spirit, period. He has none of me. I have none of him. Today, for the first time, you could walk out to your car and know not only that God is in you, but that God has you. And for the rest of your life, you can live under the control and the power and the guidance and the leadership of the Spirit of God. If right now you're saying, that's what I want. That's the missing thing in my life. This is the missing link I've been looking for. 
then why don't you pray this prayer right now with me? Why don't you say this? Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Become my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take away everything from my life you need to eliminate and add everything to my life you need to multiply. I surrender all that I am to all that you are. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Thank you for giving me the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it just then, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Matter of fact, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you to do right now. I want you to take that card you were given when you walked into our church, this little worship guide. At the bottom of that worship guide, there's a card called Connection Card, okay? You can't miss it. Here's what I want you to do. If you prayed that prayer with me and you asked Christ to come into your heart, I want you to sign your name, give me your address, email, personal address, phone number, whatever. And then on the bottom of that box, there's a, there's a, a little checkoff that says, I prayed today to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. If you did that, <clears throat> if you prayed today to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, check off that box. Today I did that. Now, check off the first one. The Spirit of God's gonna tell you, uh, go ahead and check off the second one. I wanna be biblically baptized because the very first thing the Holy Spirit will lead you to do once you become a believer privately is to make it public by being baptized. Some of you right now are saying, you know what, I I need to do that. You need to check off that box. By the way, you may say, I'm a believer, but I've never been biblically baptized. Well, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will be. Because I'm telling you right now, the Spirit of God will be saying to you right now, you know what, you've never taken this first step as a believer, which is baptism. And some of you need to check off that second box. And it may be there's some of you here today and you need to be a part of our church. You've been coming here for a while, but this is where God wants your church home to be. You check off that third box. Now, when the service is over at either one of our campuses, here's what I want you to do with that card. You take that card out to a lobby. You'll see a table called Connection Point. Can't miss it. Take your card to that table. Hand them your card. That's all you got to do. Just give them a card. They'll see which boxes you've checked off. They'll know what you need. They'll know what information you need to have. They'll give it to you. You'll be on your way out the door. It's that easy. If you've got a prayer request or you've got a need, come see them or come see one of us. Our pastors will be outside. We'd love to see you. If you're a guest of ours, go to that table. We've got a gift we want to give you just for visiting the church today. But now for the rest of us. Oh, I'm saved. I know the Lord. I followed Christ in baptism. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you even want to live another day of your life without being filled with the Holy Spirit? No, I don't, Pastor, I don't then why don't you say this right now? Why don't you just say, Holy Spirit of God, fill me completely. And Holy Spirit of God, whatever that means, I accept it. Whatever you convict me I need to stop doing, I'm going to stop. Whatever you convict me I need to start doing, I'm going to start. But I don't want my life to be the same. I am no longer going to live beneath what I could be and what I should be and what you want me to be. And every day beginning today, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And here's what will happen. You will want a one in your life 
You'll want someone that you're praying for, someone you're witnessing to, someone you're talking to about the Jesus that you know because when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be talking about Jesus. And you'll find the Bible, when you read it, is different. You'll find people will look at you differently. And you'll find for the first time what the normal Christian life really is. So Heavenly Father, this is my prayer for our church. For everyone who truly knows you, May there never be another day, another moment when all of us, every one of us, are anything less than filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.